0: and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Rev. Dr. Lori Walke.
1: Will you bow your heads with me? Do you prefer a top or front-loading washing machine, holy one? The psalmist seems to believe that you do laundry. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. We are hoping that you will do this work by hand. Ring out of us the sin of racism, Holy One. We know it will be a hard scrubbing. Help us loosen the death grip we have on our pride and let it disappear down the drain. Rinse away everything that does not reflect your goodness and love. We anticipate needing to soak a while in confession and repentance. For like the psalmist, our transgressions and sin are ever before us. Would that it be harder to know what they are. But we trust that you can make us shine like new. We pray in the name of Jesus who welcomes us into the laundromat of life. Amen. The sermon this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 20 through 33. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, and said to him, "'Sir, we wish to see Jesus.' Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come into this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, the angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. This is about the time in Lent that we start really honing in on Jesus. We're only a few weeks away from the big day, Easter. It's reasonable, of course, to focus on Jesus now. Jesus is the one who rides into Jerusalem on the donkey with people lining the streets to welcome him. Jesus is the one who washes the disciples' feet. Jesus is the one who blesses and breaks the bread, blesses and pours the cup. Jesus is the one who stays up all night in prayer in the garden. Jesus is the one arrested, tortured, and hung on the cross. Jesus is the one laid in the tomb. The text is indeed all about Jesus. In fact, the text we read this morning is the most concentrated collection of sayings on the death of Jesus in the Gospel of John, which is saying something since John talks a lot about Jesus' death and resurrection. But this morning, I'm wondering about those Greeks in the story. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. It might be a throwaway phrase, some Greeks. You know, something we just kind of skip right over to get to the important stuff. But we know that the gospel writers had focused agendas. So let's pause here this morning. The folks John is describing are more likely to be Gentile proselytes rather than Greek-speaking Jews. But whatever their particular identity, John is telling us that they are other. He could have just said, Some men came to see Jesus, but they are not just some random extras on the movie set. These guys are outsiders. They have made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. So now they are in a place that is not their home, in the midst of people that are not their own. But they have heard of this Jesus, so they come anyway. This indeed confirms the fears of the Pharisees. Just a few verses earlier, John chapter 12, verse 19, the Pharisees then said to one another, you see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. The Jesus movement was indeed gaining steam. These outsiders show up and ask to see Jesus. This is not a particularly surprising request, given the book we are reading from, Seeing is believing in the gospel of John. When Jesus fed the 5,000 and there were leftovers, John writes in chapter 6, verse 14, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. And then a little later in the same chapter, verse 30, John reports that the crowd asked for a sign that we might see it and believe you. Later, Jesus will tell Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Do not doubt, but believe. When the Greeks ask to see Jesus, they are perhaps expressing their desire to believe. At this point in the story, this is a bit of a risky thing to do, especially at this point. You'll remember that Jesus is put to death by chapter 19, so we're closer to the crucifixion than we are away from it. But we aren't there yet. Jesus is on a teaching spree. What happens next in the story happens very quickly. The Greeks there for the festival were not just there to worship. They were there to see Jesus. Another would-be throwaway line. Those outsiders say, we wish to see Jesus. We wish to see Jesus. Well, we get that, right? I mean, these folks had seen what was going on, the care, the inclusion, the unconditional love, the political organizing, the table practice, the heresy. And by heresy, I'm referring to Jesus reminding us about things like the Sabbath being made for people, not people being made for the Sabbath and that God relentlessly pursues the one sheep who has wandered off, that there are no untouchables, that to love God and neighbor is to fulfill all the law and the prophets. These outsiders were looking for wholeness and healing and belonging. It is noteworthy that they didn't go to the church for all of those things. They went to Jesus. But it sure does make us wonder whether or not the church today is offering all of those things to people, care, inclusion, unconditional love, political organizing, table practice, and heresy. Reading this story, you might wonder if people are showing up to see Jesus at Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ. And if they do show up, do they in fact get to see Jesus? When people who think of themselves as outsiders to this faith community seek Jesus, is this a place where they can find the love of God? It might be easy to say yes. And that wouldn't be a wrong answer, of course. As we say together every Sunday, no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here but I'd like for us to dig a little deeper, church, both as a body of believers and in our personal lives. We wish to see Jesus, say those of us living with disabilities. Can everyone really get to see Jesus when they show up? Is our beloved church physically and programmatically accessible to all people? And here's the good news. Our denomination, the United Church of Christ, has a program that can help us live out in our structures, program, and attitudes the extravagant welcome we proclaim by making sure that everybody who comes in the door or joins us virtually can share in the full experience of worship, fellowship, and leadership. We need a team to start the work of becoming accessible to all. We wish to see Jesus say those of us living with mental health challenges, but there continues to be strong stigma and discrimination against mental illness, even in churches, even though faith and spirituality can be an important component of coping. And of course, we know that mental health does not simply impact just the individual person. It profoundly affects family members and loved ones who also need support. The question for us is whether people facing mental health challenges see Jesus in this congregation. Here's some more good news. Our denomination, the United Church of Christ, has a program called WISE that can help us become a truly welcoming, inclusive, supportive, and engaged congregation for mental health. And to repeat myself, we need a team to start this effort. We wish to see Jesus, say those of us who have been shamed and abused by dogma and doctrine. And so the question for us as a body is are we fully living into our claims that we are an open and affirming congregation? Or do we pout about pronouns? Have we made it as easy as possible for everyone to go to the bathroom where they feel most comfortable? What do the names of our small groups say about who is welcome? And given what Pope Francis declared this past week about who gets to see Jesus, this church needs to be a place where there is absolutely no question that queer folk are worthy, wonderfully made, and wanted. This is where we reenter the story. I want to go back to they came to Philip And said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. It does make us wonder why. Why Philip? What was Philip doing that made him seem like someone who could be asked questions, someone who could hold space for wonderment, who could indeed put them in closer proximity to Jesus? Perhaps Philip was super holy, a power disciple. Well, we know that's definitely not true, of course, because there really are no power disciples, remember? I mean, none of them are particularly holy, for none of them understand in real time what Jesus is trying to teach them. About Philip in particular, we read that even later in the Gospel of John, Philip says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Like, what is Philip from Missouri? And besides... Is Jesus really going to pull a rabbit out of his tunic? So Jesus responds, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and, in fact, will do greater works than these. This is not exactly a good look for Philip in this moment. But it's critical to remember the rest of Philip's story. Apparently, he made some adjustments. You remember the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, another outsider who desperately sought the love of God. The text tells us us that Philip began to speak, and starting with Scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. And when the Ethiopian asked if there was really anything, that prevented him from being baptized? Philip's answer was to pull that chariot over and put on his swim trunk so that he might dunk his sibling in Christ all the way under the water because the answer to that question is no, of course there isn't anything that prevents you from being baptized. God's love is for everyone. All of which is to say that we don't have to be perfect to get it right, thank goodness. We are supposed to be faithful, ever working on becoming better at helping people see Jesus, just like Philip. There's one more line in today's text that I want to come back to, what what Philip does when those outsiders ask to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. The work was not done alone. We are preparing to regather after a season of being physically apart, my friends, and our congregation has some work to do to make sure that when people knock on the church door, they really do get to see Jesus by experiencing care, inclusion, unconditional love, political organizing, table practice, and a dash of heresy. As we inch towards easter and retell the story of how jesus was crucified buried and rose again let us remember that no matter how we interpret the resurrection the reason anyone was ever able to see jesus again after his death was because his work and ministry were embodied by his followers this is what it means to be people of the resurrection Consider this your sign, your invitation, your personal ask to lead, co-lead, embody, plan, and shape this body of believers into the place God expects us to be, where we put people in closer proximity to Jesus, where we help one another see Jesus every single other. Amen.
0: You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are currently online only premiering at 11 a.m. on Mayflower's Facebook page. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.